This is Elephant in the Room, the podcast on PHP and software design. You can find us on the web at elephantintheroom.io. Now here are your hosts, Everzet and Matthias. Episode 3, Schools of TDD. Hi everybody, welcome back. Hi guys, haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> it, was, it was quite two weeks for me and for Matthias, I'm sure too. Uh, well, yeah, I had some uh, interesting things. I uh, I went to Paris to do uh, to help facilitate the modelathon. It's uh, it's like a hackathon but with models. It's uh, an idea that we uh, invented at the DDDBE uh, user group, and uh, now they've tried it in Poland and in uh, Paris as well. And that was really great fun. So, when how you, were your your weeks? Uh, oh, we need to start a new uh, one in London too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to come. Okay. Well, for me, it was quite an exhaustive couple of weeks. Uh, it it was like two mostly packed with business discoveries weeks. Business discoveries is a process we're doing in Envica whenever we are getting the new client. So we're trying to help clients understand their business and understand where they need to go with it. So as you could imagine, it's really exhaustive process. To you do guys are doing more than just... Uh developing the software for for these companies yeah actually like this this is a f- like the world the whole different topic on its own and we can make a podcast later on on this but the basic <laughs> okay, I- well, basic idea is whenever a client comes we're the first thing that we're saying to them is we're kind of we are experts in, in in php but we don't care about technical solutions if there is no business problem behind them so okay. yeah it's quite a process so yeah, that was my two weeks mostly. Other than that, I was at the client's office talking with with one of our teams working there for last six months, I think. And we had this really interesting conversation about TDD and you know like and how efficient it is. And uh, basically, the guy said it kind of helps them to helps them a lot to have this constant level of the confidence in their code base and uh, kind of develop the software and change the software in the way they they couldn't see possible before. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, developing without tests anymore. I'd be <laughs> so uh, naked. Yeah, yeah. This is a big philosophy behind, you know, like test-driven development. And there's, there's multiple approaches to do this. Yeah, I've heard of uh, the London School and there's the... The other approach, what's it called? I think, I'm not sure about it. I think it's classical school of TDD. Or it's London TDD and classical TDD. Uh, I think it's because, well, they both are kind of London. <laughs> <laughs> but the new London is more Londoner or something like this. <laughs> uh, well, it's just to give it a name, I suppose. Yeah. So, so classical TDD, that's, that's uh, what Ken Beck uh, invented, I suppose. Yeah, so there is like, as Matthias perfectly rightfully said, uh, there is two schools of TDD. Uh, at least for for ex- experts, this is how we differentiate them. There is a classical school which was which is pushed still by Kent Beck, and there is a new school of of TDD which is called kind of new school, which is called London TDD, which started to grow after the Goose Book been released growing object-oriented software and yeah uh, I read that one yeah and uh, 
one of the biggest proponents for London School of GDD is also Dan North. And I will talk about the reasoning behind this like a little bit later. But the idea is in classical school, uh, it's where you're saying that it doesn't matter how the objects in the system communicate between each other. What matters is you're doing action and you observe some outcomes. And whenever those outcomes that you observe are exactly the same as you predicted, you're making an assumption that the system behaves exactly the way you you want it to behave. So it's almost like state-driven development. So uh, the classical TDD is about uh, the observable behavior of actions on objects. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, it's all about observing outcomes of your actions okay. rather than actions themselves. And uh, that's where all this, you know, this methodology comes of you're almost never doing mocks because they kind of influence your behavior and they uh, they change the outcome states, you know, so they have a negative impact of on how the outcome states are presented and it's hard to control this behavior and it's like you can't trust mocks the way you trust usual objects in the system in, produ in production of the outcomes or, or the states. So would you say that to, to uh, do classical TDD, you have always your, your complete object graph uh, of all collaborators and you just call an action on, on you know, the one on the outside and, and ask for its state back, but all the other objects are, have been exercised as well then by, no. by our tests in a way. Yeah, yeah. So it, it leans towards this area, not going crazy with this. So it's, it's still uh, unit testing. Uh, so it's not functional or acceptance testing in terms of we're not co constructing the wall graph. It's just instead of using, you know, dummy or instead of using mocks or stops, the not dummy objects are created, you know, like with the simple re simplest possible representation. So it's, it's always like avoiding the mocks and stops and preferring the, the real objects, even though if those objects are created just for it tests. Basically on the, on, on the surface the classical TDD is all about doing actions and observing outcomes of those actions in terms of state. And so this is where kind of Goose came and switched things upside down. It flipped the ideas and it said it doesn't matter what state your system at the end has if the objects in the system communicate properly. So the idea is whenever you have five objects in the system and the communicational pattern between those five objects are exactly the way are happening exactly the way you expect them to happen, you can avoid t uh, checking the outcomes or states because you can assume that the system behaves properly. So you can assume that the states will be proper because of how objects communicate with each other. So this is going more into, you know, like mock everything, except something that you don't own. So could you maybe clarify that with an, an example of, of objects that communicate and how you test for that? Oh, this one is a hard one to, to come up with. <laughs> uh, well, I'm let, here to ask the annoying questions. That's cool. <laughs> let me try something. So, um, yeah, so here's an example. Basically, Let's say you have this uh, products repository 
and uh, products registry, right? The products registry is the products registry job is to create a product based on the attributes you provided with and save it to the registry. So to repository, sorry. And so repository is internal dependency of registry. So basic idea is whenever you call registry create product with specific set of attributes or R array of R R values or you know like multiple arguments, it creates object internally and saves this object to the to the product repository. So in classical approach, how you would do this, you will most if it's in memory repository, you will just use this repository. If it's database repository, you will create another one which is a memory repository. And you will you will use this repository as a, a collaborator or dependency for your uh, registry. And you will call this method on the registry. So in terms of how you act on behavior, it stays the same. But th the different bit is when you're doing classical TTT, you're just getting this repository at the end and you're checking that the state of this repository is the state that you expect it to be. So there is one product inside this repository. So it is like you're trying repository get products and you're checking that there is like array of one product that you just saved. With a mockist approach or London TDD approach, you will do you will you will mock repository and you will do the same exact call on the registry but instead of checking the repository state because there is no state it's mock you're either using spying approach so you're kind of you're assuming that there was a method call add product to repository and this method was called or you're 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 defining it as a mock saying before the met before calling the the method on the registry, you're saying repository add product with specific product should be called. So that's the difference. So, so you're saying that it doesn't matter what repository does inside, it doesn't matter how it does it save product or not, it doesn't matter, you know, at this particular point, it doesn't matter what how repository behaves. What does matter at the moment is that registry communicates with the repository perfectly fine. This is where atom, atomic testing comes from. You're saying, you know, like, I don't care about other parts of the system when I'm testing one particular object in it. So to, to recap your example, in the classical school, you would perform an action on the outside object and then check if the repositories, uh, the collaborators state has changed. Yep. And in uh, the London school, you would still call that action on the outside object, but uh, you wouldn't check the state of the collaborator. Yep. You would just spy whether the collaborator has actually been called in the right way. Yeah, so Is that correct? A okay. either you will spy or you will define the mock. So in, mo okay. in, in London TDD, you're, just, you're, say, you're checking the, be the communications between objects, not the states. Maybe we should clarify, uh, because I, I always find people are confused by the difference between fakes and stubs and mocks and spies. Mm. They're all closely related, uh, I suppose. Uh, fakes, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're just dummy objects. You need a collaborator uh, because the interface defines it, but you don't really care about it, then you would yep. just make some fake objects. Yep. And then a stub, what makes a stub different from a, from a fake? 
the fake is an object which doesn't have behavior at all. So it's just it just responds to specific calls which this which it, this object interface or protocol defines, but it doesn't do anything. So it doesn't have any inherent behavior. So as you said, it is a perfectly fine to use fakes uh, or dummies as an ob as an argument to to the method call when you don't care about this particular collaborator. You know that you need to pass it to uh, suffice the argument signature or method signature, but you don't care about this object, how, how it's used inside the method. This is fake. Stubs are objects that you, you do care about behavior. For example, stub is an object that will return specific return value based on the specific method and with specific arguments called. So stub is when you're saying this method, this object called with this methods and those arguments will return this value. So at this mo moment it is a stub. Okay, and then uh, a mock, again correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but I think a mock is going one step further where you actually want to make sure that uh, certain methods have been called on that uh, collaborator object. So you uh, don't just, it's not just a step where you train the step to return some values, but you actually want to fail the test if the mock hasn't been called in the right way. Is that right? Absolutely. So okay. the, the idea is stubs is some object which is whenever put in specific situation or called with specific methods and arguments, uh, will do specific behavior, but you're not expecting this behavior to happen, strictly happen. So whenever this behavior doesn't happen, nothing changes. Mock is when you're saying this specific method should be called, right? So okay. mock is when you're defining communication between two objects and you're saying that this is strict communication and this is required communication, not optional one. Difference between stubs and mocks is a really interesting topic on its own. Shortly, it is a good idea to, in most cases, to to stop whenever return whenever it has return value. So whenever you have some method which does have a return value, you just stop it. You don't care if this method is called. You're just Caring that this method called with specific arguments will return specific value. So you're kind of you're mocking communication in the way that whenever put in specific condition, object will return specific values always. And the idea behind this is, if this stub is not called, if this method is not called, your outcome behavior of the object changes. So for example, taking our registry example in the play, let's say we have product factory. And product's factory job is to, based on provided attributes of the product, create new product instance, right? Yeah. And inside it uses, I don't know, like set of product generators, which use, which the, based on attributes you provide, create specific instances of the product. The way you do this is you stop generators to return specific product instances on specific attributes. And then you call on your product factory the method to create product. And just because you stopped your generator, you know exactly what those generators will return. From this point on, 
you just need to check that your factory returned the exactly same product as generator generated. You don't care if this method is called or not, because if it's not, you will have the different outcome in your uh, factory. I think the, the, the confusing part for many people in PHP world is that in PHP unit, uh, it's always called get mock, even if you just want a fake or a stub, it's still called get mock. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's one of the biggest problem. PHP unit doesn't differentiate uh, stubs from mocks. And I think this is a huge mistake. Most mocks you define, they are actually mocks in PHP unit, right? You're always expecting some methods to be called. Yeah. And the idea is, in, in the example that I outlined just before, you don't care. It's just, it's an return value of those methods is what you care about. So uh, there is a communication which has a result, right? Which has, I don't know, like final, final point, which is returned back to your initial method you called. And you can observe the, the outcome of this initial method instead of just, you know, like, making sure that this meta inside is called. At the same time, if you were going back to the registry example with repository, those two, they don't have an outcome, right? So it's persistent method. So in this particular case, there is no outcome, rather that you just need to make sure that the specific method on repository is called. So what you're doing is you're mocking repository and saying, Repository safe with specific product argument should be called. So right. you're you're caring that this method internally is called because there is no other way you can make sure that this communication happened. We have three now. We have fakes, stops, mocks. What about spies? How do they uh, fit into this story? Yeah. So spies are really really interesting uh, kind of stops or mocks, which have limited appliance, but when applied, they they kind of really, really fit into the test cases you described, if I can say it this way. So the idea was with mocks, when, it, when mocks were introduced first, it kind of switched the way you define expectations, right? So before that was a classical TDD approach was you call the method, you observe outcomes, right? When, mo when mocks came, it flipped upside down. So now you're saying, you know, like, I'm expecting this to happen, and now I'm calling the method. So in this matter, you need to first define your expectations, and only then you need to call the method. And this kind of, you know, like, sometimes it is hard to think in this manner, especially when you have multiple collaborators with multiple behaviors or communications involved, Sometimes it is just hard to define communications, you know, flipped upside down. Yeah, even if I don't use mocks in a test, then I still recommend people to start by writing the assertion first yep. and then work their way, their way back to the, the action that they want to perform and the initialization of the yep. system under test. So I think it's, it's not that unnatural to think about your expectation first or your assertion and then write the rest of your test. But it can get confusing, I suppose, for uh, if you have many collaborators, indeed. It's, it helps to define communications before, but sometimes it could cause problems. And this is where spice came from. The spice just take this idea and flip this upside down again. So they're saying, you know, you, you can do action first 
and then you can observe the outcomes. The idea behind SPICE is you create those objects that don't have behaviors or have behaviors there are stops but whenever they're called or not you're using spine me mechanic instead so this object what it does whenever you call him it records this call being made or multiple calls being made so after the after your communication happens you can get the amount of calls being made to this object with specific arguments and check if it's if the count of those calls is exactly what you expect it to. So, so the, the difference would be that with Mox you say first something like uh, I expect this method to be called and yep. with Spice you say afterwards has this method been called? Is yes. it like that? Or, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Have this method been called like five times or has this method been called? So it, it's all about when you define expectation before you do action or after. So Spice is all about after. But as you could imagine, spies have a little bit limitation. So you can use spies instead of mocks. But whenever you need to stop, you still need to define communication before the action. Because you need to have this specific behavior for the object defined before you call it. Right? So whenever you need some method to return a specific value, obviously you will need to create a stop. And you can't do this with, with spy because spies are always working after you do some actions. So I think that clears it up. Uh, at least it does for me. <laughs> I um, hope so. <laughs> let's get back to uh, to the the classical school and and the London school. So one is about uh, observable state and and verifying that, and the other is about verifying communications. Yep. Um, if there's two schools, then there's uh, probably two sides or two arguments saying why one is better than the other. So basically, Dan North, when he started to define BUD, uh, he is one of the biggest proponents for London School. The idea behind that is, if you look into the BUD, they had the biggest idea or the core of the entire BDD practice is communication. Either it is communication with the business or it is a communication of the objects inside the system. And so based on that, then Nord since the very, very beginning of BDD was preaching the importance of communication inside the system rather than the outcomes or states inside the system. And this is why they, those guys... Dan North and Kent Beck are always fighting because Kent Beck is one of the biggest proponents for classical school of TDD. Whereas, you know, uh, classical school is treating mocks as uh, something that lowers your trust rate into the system. Because you you don't own mocks, right? You just pretend, you create objects that pretend like other objects. And this is where, you know, like this fight happens. But for me, I think if you design system perf perfectly fine, if you design communications in the way you should, it is perfectly fine to say whenever your objects in inside the system communicate right, you will have the right outcomes and you will have working system. And it doesn't matter if you check the states or not. And it also comes into the idea where classical TDD is... It is TDD still, but when you start from scratch, when you don't have any objects in the system, it is 
horribly hard to start writing the system because you need, you know, like you're starting to define this registry object and suddenly it needs to have like five collaborators and you need to go all over the places and define all those five collaborators at the same time. And you need to create those classes all over the place. So it takes time and it also, you know, like you're creating a lot of objects that you're switching your focus constantly. And also when, when something breaks, it, in most cases with classical approach, it doesn't break uh, reasonably. It breaks all over the places because you have like five objects and there's some, some change in one could, could, could break tests of another because of how they're independent. That's mm -hmm. where Mockist approach or London TDD is kind of uh, helps to solve those problems. Because when you're saying mocks, you don't need classes, you just need interfaces. So you, you are not switching focus when you're defining object. When you're defining this registry object, you need repository, but you just start from repository interface and you mock it. And you don't need specific implementation for repository when you don't need it. So you're not switching your focus, you're just defining communications around your registry object. And you stop yeah. or mock them. And you can focus entirely on this registry object and its behavior. And it also means whenever you break some part of the system, the chances are really, really high that only tests for this particular object break. Obviously, it has a, a negative side effect, which says you will not notice uh, that because you're, one of the objects in your system misbehaves, your entire system is broken, right? If you don't have enough tests for, for a particular object which changed, it might be the case that, you know, like your entire system is flawed. And this is where we're saying, you know, like we need to, it is kind of fight of atomic versus, you know, like complex systems versus like entire trees. So if it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, while you were talking, I was thinking uh, what school I am, I'm in and what uh, sort of tests I write. And I I think that uh, when I'm writing tests for my uh, domain model and for my lowest level uh, things like uh, value objects and entities, uh, the real domain objects, then I'm probably uh, classical TDD. I write uh, like I do test first. I I, I describe uh, an action or I, I call an action on my domain object and I check the state of that domain object. So that would be classical. But yep. when I'm uh, starting to develop the more higher level things like um, repositories or all kinds of domain services, um, then I suppose I'm a lot more in the in the London school. Then I'm not checking the outcome anymore. I'm not checking the state of my domain objects because I know that's been covered by tests. But I'm, I'm checking how these services uh, interact, like a, a command handler needs uh, maybe two repositories and maybe needs some other domain service to handle a command. So I, I won't check if handling a command uh, alters the state because I know that's been covered with my classical uh, tests for the domain object. But I only check if these repositories and domain services are used correctly inside that command handler. So. I think in my code, I, I've never thought about it as different schools. It's just how, how I work. But uh, I think I use both approaches, one for low-level domain objects and one for high-level integration of services. 
Yeah, and it makes it makes perfect sense. I mean, the it might sound that that there is a simple separation between like uh, mockist approach or classical approach for test driven development, but it, in reality it isn't. It's not like a fight between you know like doing mocks or not doing mocks. The difference is much more subtle. The, the difference is classical school says try to avoid mocks as hard as possible, which means sometimes you will still need mocks. Sometimes you will use mocks in classical approach. And the same with uh, mockist approach. You're kind of you, The mockist approach says mock everything except the third-party code. In those cases, you just mock the boundaries or interfaces. Yeah. But at the same time, with BDD, we're mocking all the collaborators, but the object we're testing it is a real object. It is a real object with with real incomes and real outcomes of it. So we are checking states with the BDD, but the states of one object at the time, and that's the, that's the whole difference. And it's not. It also means you can you can mix those two approaches together, as you said. And uh, I would rather say it would make sense. It would make a lot of sense to make those approaches. And that's what we're trying to do with PHP spec with Marcel. We're mixing multiple approaches that just to make code more natural or design more natural. And we, it is important to care about communications when you need to care about communications. It helps you to define better communicational patterns between objects. So would it make sense? Uh, just thinking out loud here, but in PHP spec, you said last uh, in the last podcast that you uh, like to, or in the first one, I don't remember, that you mm -hmm. like to uh, force people into doing good design with PHP spec. Yeah. Uh, maybe if there's uh, these two two schools of testing and one is uh, useful for low-level domain objects and one is useful for integration, maybe that concept should be made more explicit in PHP spec where you have to declare what kind of test you're writing. I think it, uh, it's something that already happens in PHP spec. I don't believe that this is some, like, this whole pot, this whole episode is about uh, those two approaches and differences between them. It is really, really interesting topic because it, it forces you to think about those different areas. But at the same time, I don't think this is something as important to know about as any other areas in the, in the design. And the reason why, I think it is more important to focus on things that you have in hands. It is more important to focus on communication between objects when you have more than two objects communicating with each other because if you don't have perfect communicational patterns their chances are really really high you will break things and at the same time if you just have one object with uh, different behaviors and state outcomes it is important to check that like whenever you call something on this object its outcome state stays the same so I think there is a differentiation in PHP spec, as I said, uh, subject under specification in PHP spec is always a classically approached TDD, right? When you, you're always calling the method and you, and you observe the outcomes here, this get name should 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 return whatever. But all the collaborators are always mocked because this is where you have communications. Whenever you have a collaborator, whenever you have other object doing something, this is where communication between two objects happens. And yeah, PHP spec is biased towards this. He says 
all the communication that happens with outside world, outside to the subject under specification, of course, those should be mocked because it's a BDD tool. There is a lot of subtle differences and there is a differentiation in the community between different approaches to do the same things. And even as complex and, you know, as controversial thing as TDD has different approaches and have two different camps of people approaching TDD from the different perspectives or two different angles. But at the end, as much as perfectly right, uh, rightfully so said, it doesn't matter which camp you are in. It's just the things that you're doing are the are matter the most. It is you need to care about communications between objects whenever there is a communication because in other way you will not notice the problems you will not notice that your objects are always asking things or always returning things and at the same time you need to care about object states whenever you're talking about specific single objects you need to understand what your design is all about and design is not about one thing or another it's never about only communications it's never about only states. It's just find the approach that matters most and find the approach that fits your your way of doing things. Well, I think it's uh, been very helpful for me. I, I as I said, I never thought about uh, what you know what approach is my code or, or my tests. I just write them, and uh, now that I have this uh, concept of two schools, I can you know try to find if I'm always using the best approach for that particular situation. So uh, thanks a lot, Constantin. This was uh, very uh, educational for me. You're welcome. And you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> it was yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to give us feedback. We're at elephantintheroom.io. Um, you can comment or you can uh, tweet us. Uh, I'm at Matthias Verraas. Constantin is at Everzet. Uh, and we'll put up some links on the site with... Uh, references of the things we talked about so uh see you next time bye see, see you next time guys